pleased to present the Sentinel Report with your host, Alex Newman. Alex has written for a wide array of publications in the United States and abroad. He currently serves as a contributor to Epoch Times and foreign correspondent and senior editor for the New American Magazine. Alex is the author of several books and has been a guest on countless radio and television programs and is a much sought after conference speaker. Alex is best known for his reporting and research that has exposed the dangers and agenda of globalism. As the father of five children, Alex is working to defend faith, family, and freedoms from the hostile philosophies and ideas that are contrary to the Bible and the United States Constitution. And now, here is your host, Alex Newman. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Sentinel Report. It's so great to have you with us. Uh, we're going to spend our whole day with our guest today, the whole show, a uh, very special guest coming on, uh, Colonel Chris Wyatt, retired, uh, one of the leading Africa experts in the world, in my opinion. Uh, he just got back from a month-long tour of South Africa, uh, a place that uh, has been near and dear to my heart for a long time. I moved down there when I was 18. Uh, just uh, extraordinary um Country and extraordinarily relevant to everything that's going on in the United States. Uh, we, we've talked a lot about it on this program uh, for very, very good reasons. But uh, we'll spend uh, some time talking about it today, and especially what's going on with China in Africa and uh, and much more. So stay tuned for all that. Uh, our Bible verses today coming out of Matthew chapter four. Uh, this is when Satan takes Jesus up to the top of a tall mountain. And I'll start in verse 8. He says, again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. So Satan takes Jesus up to this mountain, says, look, I'll give you all these kingdoms, all the glory of these kingdoms. All you got to do is worship me a little bit. Uh, and then saith Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Uh, and I think that's a very good example for us, right? When we're confronted with lies, with temptations from Satan, uh, the best response is to simply quote the Bible, right? The word of God. It is written, as Jesus said, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. So if it was good enough for Jesus, I think it's good enough for us. And uh, just uh, an incredible story there. And, you know, what, what's also really interesting about this verse is what Jesus did not say, right? He didn't say, hey, those aren't your kingdoms. Who do you think you are offering me those kingdoms? <laughs> interesting, right? Uh, something to ponder. Uh, also, folks, uh, don't forget, this show is made possible by our friends at MyPillow. Go to MyPillow.com. Or you can go to mystore.com and use that promo code Newman on either of those websites. You'll get some huge discounts on some amazing products, uh, everything from pillows to slippers to sheets to towels. Or if you go to mystore.com, just a whole range of great products from wonderful American entrepreneurs. You can support this program and this network here on Frank Speech, Lindell TV. Um, if you're, uh, and uh, you can also support a great American company. All right, folks, let's go to our guest. Uh, as I mentioned, his name is Colonel Chris Wyatt. Uh, he's got an incredible biography. He's the uh, principal and CEO of the Indaba Africa Group. Uh, he has a master, uh, he's a master of strategic studies from the U.S. Army War College. Uh, he's got an MS in international relations, summa cum laude from Troy University. Uh, he has been at the U.S. Army Command and General Staff College. That was in 2004. Uh, the Defense Language Institute in California, Iowa State University. Um, he's just been, he's done so, so much. Uh, he's been uh, posted or worked in countries all over the world. 
truly extraordinary in his uh, area of expertise, especially is Africa. Uh, he actually served as the director of African studies at the U.S. Army War College in Pennsylvania. He's been a professor in the Department of National Security and Strategy at the Army War College with a special concentration on global strategic issues and African affairs, and in particular, their impact on U.S. national security. Uh, he's developed uh, curricula. He's taught numerous postgraduate level courses on national security strategy and so much more. Um, and, and we're just touching the surface of this man's incredible biography. Obviously, he's retired. Uh, Chris, thank you for coming on the program today. It's great to have you back. And so you're just back from South Africa. Let's start there. Uh, you were there for a month. Uh, what did you see? What's going on in South Africa that's relevant to Americans? Well, Alex, thanks a lot. It's great to be on the program once again. Uh, I, I did spend a month in South Africa, and it had ironically been probably the largest gap in the last couple decades between trips to South Africa with, with the pandemic hysteria and travel restrictions. I had not been to South Africa since 2018, so it's four years. That's the biggest gap I've had. And of course, I've been covering it, uh, broadcasting and writing about South Africa during that four-year interregnum, and it's been kind of odd not being on the ground. This past month, being on the ground was unbelievable. I came to see once Again, the absolute best of South Africa, the challenges, the worst of South Africa. I saw the incredible generosity and warm spirit of South Africans of all ethnicities. In fact, I had um, I suffered some of the challenges of South Africa, including load shedding, where the power goes out for hours at a time. Additionally, um, the horror of South Africa's crumbling infrastructure in which I bent two rims and blew two tires while traveling through the bush. Um, not really the bush. It was actually a proper road, but it wasn't maintained properly. And I also had to go around the so-called service delivery protest, driving an hour and a half on back washboard gravel roads to travel one kilometer distance to avoid the danger from a service delivery protest costing me an hour and a half. So I've seen all of that. But uh, when I broke down, I saw the great wonder, wondrous nature of South Africans who came to my rescue and um, helped me repair two rims and two blown tires. And it was an amazing experience. What I can say, though, Alex, very quickly here is that I have to tell Americans and people around the world who travel to South Africa, the state of South Africa's crumbling infrastructure is absolutely gobsmacked me. I'm astounded at how much the infrastructure has degraded in the past four years. The negligence, the neglect, the malfeasance and maladministration of the African National Congress is legion now. And it's really sad to see what South Africans are struggling with on a daily basis. Why is the, the infrastructure crumbling Chris, I mean, uh, you know, I, I have my theories. We've seen the communists in government. We've seen the the, the nonstop race mongering, the um, affirmative action. They call it B, the uh, black economic empowerment, where they're promoting people who have really no knowledge of how to properly operate a nuclear power plant and things like this. Uh, obviously, all the cronyism and stuff. But uh, what would you say is is the the cause of this incredible crumbling of infrastructure? And for the folks out there who aren't familiar with. Uh, South Africa's history. South Africa was once basically a first world country. Uh, they did the first human heart transplant. They had, uh, you know, nuclear technology, by far the most developed country in Africa. And uh, now it is it's just turned into a basket case. So what's going on there, Chris? And are there any lessons for Americans? Are we moving in that same general direction? Well, it's kind of frightening, actually, the parallels. If you look at South African-American history, there are many parallels with both good and bad things that have happened in our history, uh, including slavery and um, un unbound optimism, ever-expanding country, that sort of thing. Uh, th th we have, have many parallels in common. But South Africa, as you said, was a very developed country. In fact, in the early 1960s, Christian Bernard uh, did the first ever successful heart transplant in South Africa in Cape Town. And they, of course, exploded nuclear weapons. So that's not necessarily a good thing, but it shows the level 
level of technology uh, during the apartheid regime, and they have a nuclear power plant in Western Cape. But uh, it's a combination of things, from my perspective, a combination of things you mentioned there, Alex. Now, the African National Congress has been the undisputed national party ruling the country since 1994 when all race elections took place. They've only once been below the two-thirds majority to amend the Constitution that they would need by themselves, only one election cycle. The rest of the time, they can amend the Constitution any time. So they have no one to blame for what's happening in South Africa but themselves. They can race hustle and play their games about you know, colonialism and neocolonialism and apartheid and Jan van Riebeck. By the way, he settled in Cape Town in 1652, but they still blame him for what's going on. But the bottom line is they've had 28 years to improve South Africa for all South Africans. And while some progress was made in the early stages, back particularly around the time that you were probably there in South Africa, it has all fallen by the wayside. Now, it's a combination, depending on what you're talking about, with the infrastructure of malfeasance, corruption, maladministration, and just incompetence. Let me give an example of something that happened just a few months ago in Nelson Mandela Bay, one of the largest metropolitan areas located on the south coast of South Africa, the Eastern Cape. The African National Congress was ruling that city at the time, and the national government set aside a nutrition program to help small children and infants prevent them from starving. The administration uh, under the African National Congress running Nelson Mandela Bay turn back 62 million rands of funds that they couldn't spend. In the subsequent few weeks after that, 15 infants and small children starved to death in that municipality because they had no food. Now, 62 million rand is a, just short of $4 million. It just shows the level of incompetence. The Northwest Province is under receivership. It's been managed by the national government because the provincial government can't handle it. Of course, it's run by the African National Congress. Uh, but I would say that what's really exacerbated the, the collapse of the infrastructure since I was last there is the pervasiveness of this race-based, broad-based black economic empowerment scheme, which picks government contracts or tenders based on skin pigmentation. You must be a black South African in order to win a contract. And so as a consequence, you have a lot of fraudulent tenders that are awarded to fraudulent companies that are patronage outlets for those connected to the ruling party. And many of these things are never delivered or they're delivered way over cost. They just finished a huge power station, the Madupi power station, just in the past year and a half or so. But it's been under construction for over a decade, and it's triple the original cost, and it's only operating at about 33% capacity. South Africa in 1994 produced almost half of the electricity generated in sub-Saharan Africa. And for your viewers, let me just explain this very quickly. There were about 750 million people living in sub-Saharan Africa around 1994. Only 34 million lived in South Africa. But this country, although many South Africans didn't have access to electricity, many black South Africans in particular, it produced 42% of all the electricity generated in the country. There was no such thing as load shedding and brownouts or that sort of thing. Today, a country of 60 million they can't keep the lights on. I was there for the Rugby Sevens World Cup in Cape Town and endured load shedding from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., from 2 to 4 p.m., and from 10 to midnight every single day in Cape Town, which is where the World Cup was being held. Now, South Africa is kind of upset that they didn't get the 2023 World Cup. It went to France. But in retrospect now, maybe it's a good thing South Africa didn't get it because they can't even keep the lights on. I saw two rugby games this past season and, and domestic competitions in which the stadium lights failed. And we were watching a game in the dark. It's just embarrassing. Uh, pretty amazing. Although uh, now you have the French president, Emmanuel Macron, saying uh, the, the era of abundance and prosperity is over. You have uh, Ursula von der Leyen at the EU saying we're going to need continent-wide energy rationing. So uh, it seems like uh, basically the whole world is uh, following South Africa over the cliff. It's uh, truly extraordinary to behold. Um 
Chris, uh, when we get back on the other side of this break, we're going to go to break for just a moment uh, for some words from our sponsor. But when we get back, I want to ask you about what communist China is doing, uh, not just in South Africa, but around uh, the African continent. I think it's highly significant. And uh, and then maybe how Americans ought to be thinking about this, how the U.S. government ought to be responding, and uh, whether you think the Biden administration is doing an adequate job on this front. So, uh, folks, stay right there. We shall be right back after this quick words from our sponsors. This is the Sentinel Report. Just keep it, Keep it tuned right here. Hello, everyone. I hope you're enjoying the Sentinel Report with Alex Newman. Uh, we're so happy to have him over here at Lindell TV, and I hope you're enjoying his show. Great content. You know what? You can all support him and Lindell TV by getting the best special ever right now. We have on sale, using that promo code Newman, we have our slippers. They're normally $139.98, as big a savings you'll ever have. You save $90.00. They're only $49.98. These have a 60-day money-back guarantee. If you don't like them, I guarantee, though, they're going to be the most comfortable slippers you'll ever own. They have a patented impact gel and other technology that took over a year to develop. You guys, these are the best. You can wear them like shoes. They look great. Um, everywhere I go in the country, this is what they're talking about me, about my slippers. They're going, how did you come up with them? It's amazing. They're great. And it really is true. They are great. And... Uh, so use that promo code Newman here, and uh, you're going to save $90. You're going to for $49.98. Also, right here, if you order today using that promo code, you're going to get a, a free copy of my book. Oh, there it is. The buy one, get one free is still available here at frankspeech.com. Look at that. You get a buy one pill, get another one absolutely free. A set of sheets. I didn't see that. A set of sheets. You get any set of sheets, and you get another one of equal or greater of equal value absolutely free um you got uh you have the uh, the pillows buy one get another one absolutely free the roll and go anywhere pillows that flags with god all things are possible you guys we have over 50 selections there you got to get in and check those out i use those more than i use my cell phone and there's the towels buy one six pack set get another one absolutely free once again thank you for all your support here at lindale tv thanks for watching the sentinel report and thank you and God bless. Are you concerned about your child's education? Are you considering removing your children from the failing public schools? Greater Than I Ministries can help by giving you 15% off our Thinking Like a Christian Biblical Worldview video series and a free home educator's kit as a bonus for your purchase. This powerful video series will thoroughly equip you and your family with the truth that you need to fight the battle of ideas warring against our families. And our free Home Educators Kit will instantly connect you with the resources you need to take control of your child's education. Just go to gtimin.com and click the Buy Now button at the top. Choose the DVD or the streaming version. Then enter the promo code NEWMAN at the checkout for your 15% discount. That's gtimin.com. Click the Buy Now button at the top Choose the format you wish and enter the promo code NEWMAN at the checkout to receive our free Home Educators Kit and 15% off our Thinking Like a Christian Worldview video series. You'll be glad you did. All right, welcome back to the Sentinel Report. Thanks for staying with us. My name is Alex Newman. I'm your host. We have a very special guest with us today, Colonel Chris Wyatt, retired, uh, one of the leading experts on Africa 
and uh, and many other things. Uh, he he knows a lot about a lot. Uh, Chris, it's it's great to have you. Uh, I want to talk about what Communist China is doing uh, in Africa, in particular, and around the world. Uh, we just had uh, Peter Navarro on the program. He said Communist China is the biggest threat to the United States, uh, maybe ever. He said it makes uh, Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan look like relatively minor threats by comparison. Uh, we had uh, I, I spoke uh, some months ago with uh, Donald Trump's uh, Assistant Secretary of State Kevin Moley. He said Communist China is an existential threat. Uh, he said we've never faced a threat like this in our history. Um, and yet uh, in South Africa, we have the ANC, which we know is, is dominated at the upper levels by members of the Communist Party, putting out a document a few years ago saying that Communist China is the guiding lodestar of our struggle. Um, is South Africa a colony of China? Is it moving in that direction? Uh, what is Communist China doing uh, in South Africa, in Africa? And uh, how should we be thinking about this? Uh oh, we don't have sound, Chris. Oops. There you go. Okay. Uh, let me just uh, first off start off, Alex, by saying that I can't disagree with Peter Navarro. Uh, communist China is the single greatest threat to the existence of the United States in our entire history since our American Revolution. There's no doubt about that. Uh, that said, I'm not uh, terrified of communist China. I'm more terrified of the traders in our midst who ship our industrial production to China for a few cents on the dollar when they can make a profit here at the United States or buying things from other countries. It's really depressing and sad to see. But this, we've been sold down the river since the Clinton administration at least, uh, if not sooner, with Clinton sponsoring China's entry to the World Trade Organization. They're serially breaking World Trade Organization rules for decades with their artificial bans on our products and their outright trade violations, not to mention the currency manipulation. But that's a whole other story. Back to South Africa specifically. You know, the relationship between the African National Congress and the Chinese Communist Party is very tight, very tight. And in fact, the Chinese have secured all sorts of special deals for themselves with their own little industrial parks, which only belong to Chinese corporations being constructed in South Africa, power plants that are potentially being constructed only for South or for Chinese firms in South Africa. But let me give you an idea of the scale of how bad things have gotten for South Africans. If you go back uh, about 20 years ago, South Africans produced over 80% of all the textiles that they purchased in the country. So they were made there by their own textile firms. Now, some of this is tied to the multi-fiber agreement, which expired around 2005, 2006. So it's not entirely a consequence of the relationship, but a lot of it is. So what happened is that today, most of the textiles, about 70 to 80% are imported from Southeast Asia, and most of those from China or Chinese-owned firms. Shoes, 90% of shoes in South Africa were once made in South Africa, but now only about 10% are made, and most of those are coming from Southeast Asia, much of that coming from China. The relationship is very close, and um, in fact, as you mentioned, the African National Congress has talked about them being the lodestar, the example. We consistently see the African National Congress promoting um, Iran and also China. It's very disturbing, and it's not in the interest of South Africans. They're also now claiming to be neutral in the Ukraine-Russia event, but they're actually supporting Russia tacitly. It's um, it's a bit disturbing, to say the least, Alex. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very concerning to me. And, um, you know, the, the Chinese are active, uh, not just all over South Africa, but they're doing similar things all across the continent. They're buying up huge amounts of resources. They're buying governments. They're building, you know, crummy apartments here and there in exchange for access to all these kinds of resources. Uh, obviously, South Africa is uh, a critical uh, source of critical resources, minerals, materials, metals, things like that. Um, what, what do you think the U.S. government should be doing uh, in light of this in South Africa, in Africa uh, more broadly and around the world? I mean, should we be trying to counter this? Should we just allow it to happen? What do you think? 
Well, honestly, Alex, I, I'm kind of a contrarian on this with many people in the national security establishment because I, I look at this and say that this isn't uh, a success of China. It's a failure of America and in particular of American businesses and of our government to enhance and support and push our businesses to this. You know, Africa suffers from what I call C-cubed. And I've been saying this for some time there. That's a chaos, corruption and coup d'etat. That's the perception of American business about Africa. You know, we, we, if we look at Africa policy going from the Clinton administration forward through the Bush, through the Obama, through the Trump, and now the, the Biden regime, sorry, I can't call them administration, the Biden regime, but we look at their foreign policy, it's pretty consistent. It's pretty consistent when it comes to foreign assistance and counterterrorism and promoting democracy. The names may change and there may be a slight different focus that each administration claims. But the reality is that what we're doing in Africa is pretty much the same thing we were doing in Africa in 1994. It hasn't changed very much. But the bottom line with all of this stuff is that um, with with the, with the Chinese, um, American businesses simply aren't in the game. I, I dare someone to show me where Comcast is operating in Africa or Verizon. Or Sprint, although they've been bought out now, I think maybe Sprint isn't around anymore, but you get my point. Where is Ford Motor Corporation, which used to sell so many cars in South Africa, for instance? Toyota is the brand of choice across Africa. Why is that? Why aren't American manufacturers in Africa? Why aren't American businesses? You know, of the several million American small businesses, less than 10,000 have any relationship with any country in Africa whatsoever. And this is a failure of American business. And also, here's the real problem with this, Alex. Today, Africa has 1.3 billion people. By the year 2050, regardless of how many people leave Africa, because of the youth bulge, we're going to see a population of 2.3 to 2.4, 2.5 billion people in Africa alone. That will, in my estimation, have a consumer class of 900 million consumers. Now, consumers in Africa, many of them aren't the same kind of consumers you have in Western Europe, Japan, or the U.S. who have you know thousands of dollars disposable income. But this is once you pay for your bills and pay for your living and take care of your basic needs, you have disposable income. 900 million consumers. Why aren't we selling uh, Baskin and Robbins? Why aren't we selling Pizza Hut? Why aren't we selling Comcast telecommunication services? Why aren't we selling Motorola phones in Africa? We're not by and large. I mean, you'll see the big brands, Caterpillar, Boeing for heavy capital equipment, and you'll see IT companies like Google. And, and Amazon and folks there. But but American businesses are missing out. The U.S. government should be fostering and encouraging U.S. business. You know, very quickly, Alex, just for a little bit longer, if you give me a second here, is that um, Ethiopian Airlines is government-owned. And while I have a strong distaste uh, for parastatals, what I will say about Ethiopian Airlines is that the government owns it, but they don't operate it. They allow Ethiopian Airlines to operate entirely independently. But as a government, Anytime there's a diplomatic event, there's the government promoting Ethiopian Airlines, free press, free access, free placement, and they're pushing it in foreign trade negotiations all the time. As a consequence, Ethiopian Airlines is one of the best run and fastest growing airlines in the world. And they're all over Africa when South African Airways should be all over Africa and they're actually in a state of decay and should have been liquidated. My point here is that the U.S. government is asleep at the wheel and so is American business. And we need to, if you are a shareholder, start yelling at your corporate boards about why they're not investing in Africa. And I think if we put the focus there, we will profit and Africans will profit. A rising tide really does lift all boats. That's not a trite phrase. It's a true statement. Capitalism is the best system of economic policy that's ever existed. Thank you, Adam Smith and David Ricardo. Um, this is what we need to do, and it's not happening. 
Yeah. And, and what so many people figure out when they go into business with communist Chinese companies is that there's uh, much more than meets the eye to these so-called companies. They're really extensions of the Communist Party of China with ulterior motives. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. American business really should be active all over the world. And fortunately, we're uh, retreating in, in so many ways. Uh, Chris, I want to talk a little bit about the military policy of the Biden administration. Um, I know you're, you're retired now, but I'm sure you've seen uh, the things that are happening now. We're doing the critical race theory. Uh, to our troops. We're, we're teaching them about uh, transgenderism. We're forcing these injections on them that a lot of them don't want. Uh, what do you think about the Biden administration's policies vis-a-vis -vis the military? And um, you know, how do we fix it? Well, number one, Alex, the first thing I have to say about this is that I was in South Africa when the Darth Vader speech occurred on the 1st of September. I still haven't listened to its entirety. Joe Biden went to the halls, the seat of our liberty in Philadelphia, and had misused two Marines standing in dress uniform behind him, violating all norms of civil military relations. And frankly, I think that's, if not an ethics violation, there may be a legal violation there. I'm not an attorney. I'd be, I'd be nice to consult one about this. But he certainly violated all norms of civil military relations. You know, people freaked out when the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff appeared in his duty uniform walking through the streets of D.C. talking about security in the buildup in January of, of 2021. They attacked the chairman. And uh, look, there's lots of reasons to have issue with the current chairman. But walking through the streets of D.C. in a military uniform is not one of them. And they freaked out about civil military relations. Yet people are completely silent about Joe Biden using Marines as props in a morally reprehensible fashion, destroying mil civil military relations in this country. It's 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 reprehensible. As far as the other things, um, you know, it's difficult on the jab because when we serve in uniform, um, we are really in some ways sort of the people may not like this, but the property of the United States government. What I mean by that is that we have to get jabs for all sorts of things and you don't get a choice in the matter. While I, I, I don't believe that it was necessary and it was inappropriate, uh, it's difficult to, to really respond on that one because the government probably does have a legal ability to do it. But the persecution of military members who seek religious accommodation is morally reprehensible. And it's, in my view, probably illegal in some respects. Now, as far as the Air Force Academy, which is where this conversation is headed, we've talked about critical race theory at West Point, which is abominable. And the chairman says, well, I want to know about white rage. Well, you want to know about white rage, buddy? <laughs> You're going to see white rage. You keep up the race hustling. But the Air Force Academy has actually had a, on Thursday, this past week, had a event in which they promoted transgenderism with two faculty members encouraging uh, their Air Force cadets to come out and, you know, and proudly talk about transgenderism. What does this do to contribute to national security? And they have a whole presentation, a flyer they handed out that was published and exposed last week in which they're inculcating transgenderism and talking about inclusivity and diversity. Here's the odd thing. I don't have the current stats on this, Alex, but I venture to guess that 65 to 75% probably maybe 65% of the active Air Force are actually white males just because of the way that enlistment works and commissioning works. But here's the thing. Look at their ads. White males are virtually missing. They're almost non-existent. How is that inclusive? That's not inclusive. That's actually quite the opposite and creates a false impression of what's actually happening. If you don't think that there's enough women, then talk about not enough women, but don't exclude one group of people and claim you're inclusive. Now, what is happening in the U.S. military is heartbreaking, to say the least. The focus is not on mission readiness and national defense. It is on turning the military into some sort of social experiment. Now, to be fair, 
In the past, the military has been a social experiment and it has improved society. Under the Truman administration, he ordered the integration of the army and it was quite successful. Painful at first for many, but it was quite a successful thing. So the military in many ways does come out in front of society. We were first in attacking HIV in military. Um, we in, in front of society in so many things. But this is something that is intentionally destroying family values, the nuclear family, and I find it vile, reprehensible, and morally repugnant. Wow, strong words, Chris. Uh, we want to thank you for coming on the program with us. Uh, your, your insight is always appreciated. Uh, we've had you on before, and uh, hopefully we'll get you on again very soon. Uh, Chris, before we let you go, uh, you've got a show, uh, you've got a website, you've got a company. Uh, tell the folks out there, what's the best way to follow you, follow your work, and uh, glean your insights? Well, Alex, and until I get censored by YouTube again, probably the best outlet to follow me is on Chris Wyatt Africa on YouTube. I'm also on BitChute and Rumble and Odyssey, but you know you don't get traction in there unless you're a well-known and famous personality like, say, um, Crowder or Dinesh D'Souza, but on those platforms. But on YouTube, people seem to find you occasionally, so you can find me on Chris Wyatt Africa. I'm also, of course, on Gitter and Gab and all these other platforms, uh, Twitter and such, but, but the biggest platform you can find me in most production, in fact, you'll find a video I produced today about Edward Snowden getting Russian citizenship on Chris White Africa. I just published that one. Fantastic. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your insights and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. All righty, folks, Colonel Chris Wyatt, retired uh, Africa expert and e expert on many other things. Uh, we're just about out of time, folks. But before we let you go, I want to remind you that uh, crazy things are happening to our supply chains, our food supply. And are you prepared for uh, food shortages uh, ahead, especially widespread food shortages? Uh, we've had farmers warning us for months. And unfortunately, a lot of people are not listening. We've had President Biden come out and say food shortages are going to be real and they're coming. Uh, these farmers are saying this is outside of their control, the fertilizer crisis. I mean, it's getting crazy. Uh, and the bottom line is food shortages, I think, are going to become a harsh reality very soon. That's why I think you ought to get ready right now. If you go to preparewithsentinel.com, you get huge discounts on some of the best products from My Patriot Supply. That's America's largest supplier of uh, long-term storable food. Uh, actually, there's a hurricane headed toward us right now. And uh, actually, uh, just my son just got back from the grocery store, said they are out of water, they're out of canned food, they're out of all kinds of stuff. So folks, uh, get prepared now. If you go to preparewithsentinel.com, you'll save 20% on their best-selling three-month food kit. It'll come with delicious, easy-to-make breakfast, lunches, dinners, drinks, snacks for one person for a full three months. That's over 2,000 calories a day. And if you go there now, 20% off during this incredible sale. It's at preparewithsentinel.com. And again, this is from the largest preparedness company in America. Millions of satisfied families already and many, many more to come. Uh, if you order now, your order ships fast and free and comes in an unmarked box. Those who are in the know are already getting ready, folks. I think you should be as well. And you can do that at preparewithsentinel.com. I'm Alex Newman. I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, folks, I know uh, South Africa seems distant, but it's not. It's a critically important subject. Uh, in fact, uh, a guy we've had on this program before, I've got his book. I think it's one of the most important books on the subject out there. It's called The Birth and Death of the Second America. Uh, the the Afrikaner people are the closest cousins that Americans have anywhere on the planet. And uh, we'll be talking more about this because the parallel are beyond eerie. Uh, very, very strange things are happening. And um, the same communist movement that destroyed that nation wants to destroy ours too. Thanks again for watching. Tune in next time. And until then, God bless you all.